What's up, everybody? Dre Pale here on behalf of HamiltonMusician.com, here with a very special guest, fresh off the release of a cool new song mashup. Um, I'm here with jazz artist Matt Dusk. How's it going, man? Groovy. Awesome, man. Um, first off, I want to say congratulations on the Juno nomination for uh, Vocal Jazz Album of the Year. That's really cool. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. It's always, always nice to be nominated. Of course. Um, let's let's get into this mashup first off. Um, you teamed up with uh, Barbara Lika and Heather Bambrick, who are also uh, nominated for Juno Awards. Can you yeah. can you tell us about the idea for how this came about and what, what it was like transforming these pop tunes? into kind of a funky jazz mashup. So uh, back in 2014, I was nominated. Uh, and a friend of mine, we had this idea to put together a medley of the contemporary pop tunes that were nominated for Juno. And uh, it went over really well. We had like, you know, close to half a million YouTube spins. And it kind of took off in other, in other territories. So um, the idea was to do what jazz artists do best, which is to interpret music different ways and to take five songs of uh, artists that were nominated for Juno's and to put them in our own little way. But we, this time around, we did a different twist. So we took five songs, very, very popular songs of the past, and then we mashed them up with the contemporary songs of today. So we sma- sma- uh, as an example, we mashed up uh, Mighty Mighty Boston's with uh, Shawn Mendes. And the first song coming out is is kind of a take on impressions that you get mixed with Treat You Better. And each song kind of does that. So it kind of has you guessing through each song what song was from the past and what song is from the future. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Are you yourself a, a, a top 40 pop music listener or was this kind of a new thing for you to kind of be like, okay, let's get into this zone? Well, I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm a child that's, uh, you know, still, I still think I'm a, a young person when it comes to music. As being in the music business, I'm always got my ear on the ground trying to listen to what's contemporary and popular. And, you know, when you listen to terrestrial radio, it's kind of hard not to jump into listening to, you know, a top 40 hit. For me, though, um, the fun part, uh, gets into, the interpretation of the song, which is what jazz is rooted in. So listening to all these songs, it was like, how do we make, how do we take like a hip hop song, you know, like say Drake and Hotline Bling and turn it into like a 50s, 60s kind of rock kind of song. So it was a lot of fun. Totally, man. And you guys, you with the two other artists have such like a diversity between you that it comes out super different that almost, if if you hadn't looked at the title, you'd be like, is this a new song kind of thing? <laughs> That's exactly it, right? And and I, I mean, we did this as a, as a fun thing. We're not trying to, you know, make millions off of trying to interpret hip hop songs in in you know the old way. But the the funny thing is that if you if you do you know go on YouTube, you'll see there's a lot of people doing covers of songs and interpreting them in their own ways. And um, one of the groups that I'm a you know just a, a fan of is a group called Postmodern Jukebox out of the states, out of California. And, you know, they'll take songs from Lady Gaga to George Michael to, um, uh, you know, the Chainsmokers, and they'll kind of put them into retro, uh, you know, jazz kind of ways. And, and I said, well, why can't we do that? It's fun. So we get together, we have some drinks, we record some songs, and boom, there's the mashup. What about with your own work, let's say with 
even for quiet nights, for example, do you find your do you find any pressure to incorporate kind of the the poppy stuff that's dominating the radio, or are you kind of just doing your own thing? And if it happens, well, to I you know as a as a musician, I think we all love music. I mean, musicians, if you had a chance to go inside of our brains, uh, we would all have a very eclectic collection. And if you, if you ever want to know about somebody and their musical taste, there's nothing more personal than going through their iPhone and seeing what they listen to. And you'd be like, really? They listen to Marilyn Manson? You know, or like, you know, <laughs> you know, anyway, so, so when it comes to putting pressure on this, this is more of us saying, we love music of all kinds. There's no reason why we can't have fun and, do pop music in a little bit of a different way because at the end of the day, music doesn't have to be so serious. Like you don't have to come out with something that's got to be like your life work. And, you know, sometimes you can just do song or songs that you just want to have fun with. I mean, everybody can pick up a guitar at some point in their life and, you know, plunk out a few chords and sing the Beatles. I mean, so that's kind of what we, what we thought around this whole thing. And it's funny how I, you hear more and more with artists that, their intention at the beginning was like, oh, yeah, we were having fun. Like, I know Bruno Mars, millionaire or billionaire, whichever one it is. Yeah. He said it, and he just was like having a good time with it. And it turns out to be this big tune. So, you never That's know. It. I mean, I mean, listen, if you can't have fun in music, there's no reason to do it. Because the path to a career is met with ups and downs. And I would say that 99% of what musicians do um, is for free. We don't make money from it. Usually we lose money from it. But if, if you at least try and you keep trying different things, sometimes having fun with something can become a massive hit. And, uh, you know, I think Bruno Mars has proved that that's true. Absolutely. Talk to me about uh, the Juno Awards in general. Um, you're no stranger to Juno nominations. Uh, how important do you believe that, that the Juno Awards itself is for Canadian music and just maintaining Canadian culture in general? I think, I mean, the Junos kind of celebrates, you know, excellence uh, in in the music business. It's not to say that everybody uh, gets a chance to go to it. It doesn't mean that just because you don't get a chance to go, you're not excellent at doing it. But it does, it's, it's, a, it's a party that, that happens every year that brings musicians together in in Canada to collaborate, to meet up for a drink, to have have a forum of inspiration where normally you wouldn't have that like you know i jazz musicians wouldn't necessarily be going to top 40 pop concerts and vice versa so there's so much music going in and around the city during that time like juno fest has like you know so many concerts going around and at any time as a musician coming to the junos you get to participate you know celebrating with your peers as well as going to see some you know great music so at the end of the day for me it's more of like a a networking opportunity to learn a little more about everything. But the truth is, is that you don't need to be nominated to do that. You can still enjoy yourself by making music and still coming out to the Juno. Can you tell me a bit about uh, Quiet Nights with Florence K? Uh, when you guys for, uh, first entered the studio and were like, hey, we're going to do this thing, did you have any set out, okay, let's, the message of this album is going to be this or, did you have an intention with it or was it kind Absolutely. of <laughs> So um I'm you know, I'm a producer at the same time, so I'm always kinda of thinking about how to produce a record and what I wanted to 
do is in my life, music is around my house 24-7. I don't know if you can hear it, but there's jazz music going on in the background. And <laughs> I really wanted to create an album that was an easy, easy-going, middle-of-the-road, very comfortable record that you could play at dinner time, you could play at dinner parties, that you could have a chance to listen to it in, in ten, intensely. But at the same time, I believe music is a soundtrack to our lives. And I wanted to create a record that just gave a nice cushion to wonderful conversation, great wine, anything that happens after that as well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Lastly, just before we go, um, I always like to ask the, the guests that I speak to to define their interpretation of success. If there's a sort of feeling you need to feel or a certain thing that you would need in order for you to classify yourself or someone else as successful? I think I think when uh, I first started out in the business, like 20 years ago, it was about getting gold and platinum records and touring the world and getting awards and, you know, because when you're when you're young, you aspire to be like your, your heroes who have done all that and you want to be able to come to the table with similar things. As you get older, you realize how meaningless those things really are. And when I think about what carves success out for myself, it's to be able to continue to work in the music business as a living and to afford the opportunity to go travel the world and see and experience new cultures and new things. I mean, music gives back in so many ways that, you know, even if you were a millionaire or a billionaire, you wouldn't have the opportunity to, you know, you might get a few great opportunities, but as an example, you know, in the last two, three years, and I've, I've, I've had lunch with the Queen. Um, you know, I recorded a, a duet with Donald Trump, if you can believe it, a few years ago. <laughs> I mean, these are opportunities that would not have come to me if it wasn't for me being in the music business. So to me, success is continuing to do it and enjoying the journey, not getting to the destination. Well, you got you to gotta give us some details on that. That is super interesting. I didn't know what that... How, how did that happen? Without getting too personal, I'm just curious how the Queen and Donald Trump happened. You know what? They're both by accident being in the right place at the right time. The Queen came to Canada, I think it was a couple of years ago, and uh, I was invited uh, to a luncheon with about four or 500 people. And um, and I was debating if I was going to go or not because I only got one ticket. So I was like, what am I going to do? Go for... a you know, by myself to a dinner. I was like, ah, screw it. Okay, I might as well go. So I go and, uh, you know, having having some wine at lunch, meeting some people, and I sit down at my table, make my introduction, and I guess one of the people who was supposed to sit at the Queen's table, and there was only eight of us, was absent. So the organizer said, hey, Matt Desk, I was like, hi. And they said, hey, do you mind coming with me? I, we, we need you to sit with the Queen. <laughs> so, you know, I I hadn't been briefed in protocol or anything, and uh, I get to the table and I'm like bowing like a like I'm in Japan. And, <laughs> you know, I, I do I what do I say, Your Highness, Your Man? I don't know. And it was it made for a, a a funny thing. And and throughout the afternoon, again not having much protocol, I probably came across as a buffoon, but I did make her laugh a couple times, and uh, we had a pleasant conversation. But as an example, that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have been in the music business, right? I mean, I could have had $40 million and I wouldn't have been invited to that event. You know, and, uh, you know, a few years ago, uh, about six or seven years ago, um, I was on a TV show called The Casino, which was uh, produced by Mark Burnett. And uh, Mark Burnett was also producing 
the apprentice the donald trump uh yeah yeah the donald trump show and uh donald trump is a big fan of the american standards and the american songbook uh all the great jazz standards and um he put out uh this compilation disc of uh great singers like frank sinatra and tony bennett and uh nat king cole but he wanted to do a song on his own to have on there and they called me up and said hey how would you like to do a duet with Don Ron? I was like, sir, that's why insane. not? <laughs> uh, and it became where I sang and then he did spoken word. Um, but I, I've learned that, that that song and that album had, was quickly bought up by all his people when he tried to run for, uh, well, when he did run for president. So, hey, man, how many people can say they did a duet with Donald Trump? That's pretty awesome. That's cool, man. I'm going to be YouTubing that the second this ends. Go and check See it if you can off. find it. We did uh, For the Love of Money. With Matt okay, cool. Donald Trump. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining me and taking the time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And for listeners checking this out, please check out the Juno Mashup. Uh, just search Matt Dusk Juno Mashup. You'll find it. And uh, mattdusk.com for all details. Uh, Matt, I wish you the best. And again, good luck at Junos. Thank you, man. Take care. Have a good day.